You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. This is The Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Bracken, we have a, a big weekend ahead of us. Do you know why? Because we're getting together and we're getting a long run and we are going to hang out. That's exactly right. And I know you're going to try to like steal some time away to like, get married and stuff, but around around that, surrounding that, we are going to have time together. That really is going to be the, the highlight point of the weekend. As much As much as you and I look at each other in the face and conversate twice a week every week for the most part mm-hmm. for how many almost four years three times a week sometimes yeah, three times a week sometimes for almost well we're almost what three and a half years we don't see each other in person very often i think i've seen you once this year have i seen you this year in person no okay oh, yeah. i see my memory's failing me so we don't see each other in the flesh very often so this is a real treat yeah i was just talking with Braden about this that because I don't know if Jess told you I was going to come up and watch your race. She told me after the fact, which I found incredibly endearing and okay. unnecessary. I was going to mention that to you. That's very nice of you. Well, it was it was one of those things where it's like, it was a Friday. I could very easily close up shop early, do my remaining calls on the phone, and drive up there. It was a Wednesday, by the way. It was, well, sorry, it was Wednesday. No one cares. <laughs> no, no one knows what day of the week uh, it is right. anymore. We're post-COVID uh-huh. here. <laughs> but... but <laughs> Take away most of what I said, but someone runs an ultra and then going out for an hour runs not hard afterwards, Mm -hmm. or you train for a marathon and then getting out for a 10 miler is not difficult. Well, driving 25 hours in 48 hours a weekend ago or two weekends ago made it seem like it's just a five hour. I'll just bip right on up there, watch the race and then come on home in the morning. It'll be easy peasy. And I was really excited to to watch you actually. Mm. And I didn't know how packed or dead the track was going to be but i thought anyone that could be there should be there and it just felt like this is the lifestyle like affords us the chance to do this so i want to do it but then she was like there's air quality issues and you've been feeling sick which you didn't post about and i respect but you were sick leading up to it and it was causing you issues so i was like you know what keep me posted if he decides by like noon let me know but and i did it just uh, the time ran out on you mm-hmm. yeah i don't i don't none of, none of those excuses are necessary you leave those out of it. And I felt good on race day. Good. I'm glad. Well, Braden said something like, you don't see Kirk a lot. And I said, it's crazy because I think we're on episode 355. So between this and race brain and any meetings that you and I have face to face, I've seen you 400 times over the last two years, mm-hmm. three years. Yeah. And we think it's been like right around eight to 10 times in person lifetime. So I've seen you more than anyone outside of my immediate family. It has to be more than that. Is that it? Eight to ten? If we had to, let's name off. What races have we been at together? Illinois once. Mm-hmm. No, well, twice, but we didn't know each other then. Okay. No. So three times since... in Illinois. That's three right there. First year in Spartan. You sure it's three? First year in Spartan, you were there and you stood on the podium as Robert Killian. Briefly had maybe okay. met you. And then the next year was, I won my first back-to-back races. You came to support and then the mm-hmm. next year was chicago and you ran the second day so those three 
I stayed. We hung out. But I didn't see you that day. Yeah, but we ran the shakeout run the day prior and got dinner. Positive. I think that was the second year. Nope. It was the year of the US. I know it for sure. Because the the year that it was a slop fest and I ran day two, I came back from, from a vacation with the Colbs for day two. Anyway, let's just call it three. It is three. Then Minnesota. Yeah. Welch Village. That's okay. Four. All right. So that's four. And then two other training sessions in Minnesota. Five, six. Yeah. Two Granite Peak training sessions. Seven, eight. Seven, eight. Yep. Jacksonville. Alabama. Alabama. That's 10. Tahoe twice. And Tahoe twice, 12. That's 12. And then there's probably one we're forgetting. So let's call it a Baker's Dozen. Okay. Do you want to know why they call it a Baker's Dozen, Bracken? 13. A little fun fact for Tell you. Me. This is what I know. This might not be true, but it's what I've been told. Tell me. Back in the day when rules and justice were always served and enforced, when you were to make the royal royalty their baker, or anybody, I guess, of importance, if you gave them, if you shorted them, there was severe punishment, right? Like if you accidentally put in 11 uh, mm. instead of 12, and so they always threw an extra one in there so they won't lose their hands, you know, or be served justice wow. for the cruelty of shying on numbers. So that's what I had thought. But anyways, let's say a baker's dozen. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it says. Is that what you're reading? You've- a medieval law specified the weight of bread loaves, and any baker who s- supplied less to a customer was in for dire punishment. Yep, see? So they would include a 13th loaf with each dozen just to be safe. Wow. I'm full of shit, but not always. That was one of the things. Okay. As long as we're off the rails already about entomology of words and phrases, early on in our podcast together, I used the phrase rule of thumb. And I may have addressed this once on here. I was fairly certain the rule of thumb had to do with British law. Mm-hmm. and so, But then there's the movie Boondock Saints where there's this whole start part at the beginning where they talk about it comes from the old uh, non-official but official rule where a man was allowed to beat his wife with a stick as long as it didn't exceed the width of his thumb. <laughs> and we had actually a shared friend of ours who I won't call out, messaged me with a very, like, highbrow soapbox. You really need to stop using that. It's really inappropriate. It's about domestic violence. The phrase rule of thumb. And I was like, I... Just the rule of thumb, yeah. Speaks to domestic violence. And I was like, I don't think that's true. And so I did look it up, and it's uh, it's just myth. It has nothing to do with domestic violence. (laughs) Anyway, but I felt terrible for a little bit. And it's uh, it it has nothing to do with domestic violence. Do you think you put your foot in your mouth more than I put my foot in my mouth, or do you think vice versa in life, not just on the podcast? Because I think I do. Do you you think so? I I wouldn't say either of us put our feet in our mouths a lot because we don't speak out. Maybe maybe you do more in real life, but we don't take dramatic stands on hot button topics too often. Well, if I do, I certainly don't post comments on the internet and i feel like we're both well versed enough to at least know why we're saying it you you might anger people with your hunting oh sure but i wouldn't say that's putting your foot in your mouth that's standing on the hill you believe yeah no i don't i have no shame i don't think i've ever put my foot in my mouth in that regard i would say more like you try to take an angle with somebody who needs a kick in the pants one day in the gym and you miss the mark a little bit let's just call okay um i think that would be maybe more more often. I had a I had a client the other day. This is not a joke. She's had 10 sessions with me. Uh, she's in a group session. I was pushing them pretty hard. We did ladder where I split people into two groups. It was very simple. We had no equipment the entire day. And it was like, let's do push-ups. 
One side of the room did 20. When they got done, the other side did 19. Then it went back to the other side, 18, 17, 16. And then they all finished with the highest number, mm-hmm. finished with 20. And they're all just miserable. Most of them can't finish. And it's fantastic. It gets everybody to their breaking point. <laughs> I didn't know, um, bless her heart, this newer client of mine did not want that. And she ran into the bathroom with about 15 minutes left. I thought she she's a puker, so I thought she was going to throw up. And I don't see that very often, but she never came out. And then finally I was like, are you all right? And she came out with just tears running down her face. And she's like, I hate you. I hate this. I'm not coming back. You are Jillian Michaels and I need the nice other guy. <laughs> she said, I hate this. I hate you. Bob Screw something, it. Yeah, right? Bob something. I was like, I actually really don't even like Jillian Michaels. So that actually hurts my feelings. So talk about like foot and mouth. Like I was on her a few times, right? And then had no idea she was feeling this internal battle. <laughs> so we can't win them all, Bracken. There's a foot and mouth day. That makes sense. I think in college, I, I put my foot in my mouth a lot. And then young in my career, I was more brash with my statements and emotional with things and did a lot of speaking without thinking. Mm. But these days, I'd like to think I do it a lot less. We can move on, I suppose. But uh, I got some good news from you. I'd like to chat about my race just a little bit, which seems like a while ago because yes. it was almost a week. But um, you said that you would commit to coming out next year to do uh, one of the Tracksmith races in Minneapolis. And just so you know, 100%. you could go to Chicago as well. They have one there. So you don't have to travel as far, but it'd be a good excuse to hang. So you heard it here, folks. Next year, Bracken's committing to running a 5K on the track under the lights. I did some Bracken math, which is generally guesstimation-based and generally really optimistic. And I said, my PR is 1542. Very similar temperature to yours. It was like 91, Mm -hmm. and it was a road race that was a verified distance, and I didn't run in super shoes. So 1542, add super shoes, maybe that's 1532, put it on the track. I might be able to break 1530 if I get back to that fitness. That was the bracket math I did, and I believed it, and it's going to stick with me until I'm proved wrong. So I thought that means I could come up there and either jump on the tail end of the fast heat or get on the front end of the second to last heat and just get towed along. That sounds like fun to me. You inspired me. Well, that's that's fantastic. I, I would say the fast heat most. It's hard because the the, the conditions were so um, hot and sticky last week that everybody seated themselves faster than they finished. So like you had guys running sixteen thirty in the fast heat, um, like a bunch, like a mm-hmm. lot. A few went back pretty hard towards the end so like right now i'd be like go in the fast heat and hang on but i don't know if it's right. the conditions or if it's people overseeding themselves i'm not sure so we'll just say fast heat i have run one 5k on a track in my life this was down at campbell when i had missed the whole i, I ran two indoor meets and then uh i had a medical hardship the rest of the time for my it bands and came back at the end and ran unattached one 5k on the track and it was horrible i was really 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 out of shape i had only been doing elliptical and lunging and i ran i want to say i blistered like three laps in and ran like 1705 or something in raleigh durham under the lights like 72 degrees 9 p.m at night it was wild it was just a terrible, terrible race, and that's my only experience, but I also know that it can also be a really fast place to run it. And actually, at the time, Raleigh-Durham was on lockdown. Mm. That was during the Duke lacrosse rape trial was going on, yeah. and it was white frat boy uh, lacrosse players with a black stripper. 
And so the Black Panthers were marching on campus that day and everything was like barricaded and we weren't allowed to warm up out throughout campus because of riot stuff. And so it was just like this really surreal time. But you understood in the moment, this is a this is a weighty point in, in history. And I commemorated it with a, a 1705 or something like that. 1709 5K. There's no better place to race a 5K if you're having a good day than the track. And there's no worse place to race a 5K mm. if you're having a bad day than the track. I'll stand yeah. firmly on that. Um, I had like, I don't know. like Tell me about the race. Well, first of all, I had a lot of people say I'm looking forward to the recap uh, on the podcast. Otherwise, I wouldn't necessarily pay it a ton of lip service. But uh, people oddly care or pretend to care, which is very endearing. So figure I'll do a little recap. Um, but first off... It's not too late for any of you listening that that are near some of the major metros in the country. And I believe they have a few in Canada and even a few overseas, I'm not mistaken. But it's the Tracksmith Twilight 5000 series. So you go look, go to tracksmith.com. You can click on their Twilight 5000 and you can look and see what races are left in the nearest major metro city. Like I know they have... Like they just had San Francisco, they had New York, Dallas, Chicago, Minneapolis. I think they have some overseas, London, uh, maybe Toronto, things like that. You're looking it up right now, aren't you? Yep, I am. Because I went to the Trials of Miles site and it was terrible. Yeah, Tracksmith is where where you're going to find it. Which So I think it's just tracksmith.com. But um, they do a really nice job. And it's a really good event, like a high-level, well-oiled track meet for normal human beings. Yes, in the fastest heat or two, there are some pro-level athletes or, you know, team-sponsored athletes that are showing up and racing. But for the majority of this, folks, the first heat uh, of the evening was 25 to 40 minutes was the seed time. A huge range. That was the slowest heat, heat one. They take 10 heats and they split you up appropriately. 25 to 40 minutes. So if you can run a 40-minute 5K or faster, consider this. And then from there, it went like 23 to 25 minutes, 21.30 to 23 minutes, 20 to 21.30. It was like, you know, they segmented it all the way down until the last heat of the night, which happens under the lights is the fast heat, sort of the pinnacle event or two, which was really exciting. But nonetheless, there's still events left. Most major cities have two of them throughout the summer. Bracken, I see you're looking it up. So what do we got? We got a lot. Yeah. Remaining, we have Boston, Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Ann Arbor, London, LA, Mexico City, New York City, Portland, Eugene, San Fran, Oakland, Seattle, Toronto, Twin Cities again, Washington, DC. Most of those are, they, they hit each city twice. Yep. Most of them, it's their second time around. That's a lot of places. There's a Chicago the week after your wedding. And then there is, uh, there's again, the Twin Cities, uh, 23rd. August, yeah. I would come up and set a baseline for the, on the 23rd. You should think about it. I'm already registered, so I'm signed up again for another crack, hoping it's not 90 degrees at 10 p.m. Yeah, I would do that. It's only going to be cooler in August, right? <laughs> I don't think it can be any hotter, if I'm being honest. We got just the perfect combo of heat and steam. But um, And they just did well. You know, they had sponges dipped in cold ice water, handing them out at two points on the track for this. They had ice baths lined up, cold water. They had like six of them lined up that you could dip into after the race if you're having a hard time getting your temp down. Kerry Tullifson, Olympian who, who commentates high-end track meets, they you know, recruited her to be the commentator. So her voice is screaming out over the entire track. So she's, and she's a professional commentator. They had loud music pumping Mm -hmm. and 
sure some of the early heats had a little less energy because there just were less people there, right? And it was really hot at 6, 7 p.m. But as every heat built, it got more and more intense and more and more exciting. And the music seemed to get a little louder and a little louder. And by the end, it's a party. And so it's just a cool, mm-hmm. it's just a cool environment. So I would encourage you, even if you have a 5K time trial, go do it. They're typically Wednesday nights. They do have a few morning events, like on a Saturday morning. Um, consider it. It's, uh, so go look at tracksmith.com. That's my first plug. I was very impressed. The footage alone had me hooked. I love when they let people on the track during races. There's no need for this pristine track scenario where it's only officials and athletes and you're DQ'd if you're on the infield. You should have as many people as possible. It should be a party. And we first saw this, I first saw this at that night of the 10K that they hosted, I think, in the UK. And they just made a tunnel, basically, of people. You only had lane one and two open. Mm -hmm. All the rest was just packed. They had a beer garden set up over the track. And that's what it looked like up there. It was just crowds on the track, which changes everything. So the atmosphere to an outsider was palpable. Oh, good. Just in the Instagram stories and videos that Jess shared, I could feel that it was electric and that I wanted to be a part of something like that. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I was more nervous for this uh, this silly 5K on the track that in the grand scheme of things means nothing than I have been in a long time. I made the mistake of looking up other guys in the heat and seeing their resumes uh, a lot of division one post athletes, a lot of guys still running under names. Um, I was one of two forty plusers in my heat. I just looked at the results and there was one in the 30 to 34 division in front of me. Otherwise everybody was younger <laughs> than it's me at 40 to 44. So that felt pretty cool, but, um, just, uh, just high level people ended up showing up. So we had a really hot day. Um, temps when we took off were 87 and I believe it felt like 89 is what it had said. Zero mile an hour wind, which you think is good for running fast on the track. In that environment, it actually felt like I think it would have been better with a five to eight mile an hour wind. I think it would have served us well. Um, I could see that. And the, the interesting thing about this and the tough thing I couldn't figure out leading into it was um, we were scheduled to go at 945 at night. Um I usually go to bed around 8.30. I crawl into bed sometime around then. I'm asleep by 9. And so I didn't know how my body would respond. They were behind. We started at 10.06 p.m. on a Wednesday night. 10.06 p.m. Um, I took, for the first time in months, I took caffeine pills at 9.15 before my warm-up. I was like, I have no idea what's going to happen here, but... If I don't sleep tonight, I don't sleep tonight. Like, that's what it's going to be. Jess and I were driving over at 8.30 at night and looking at each other like, it was a 45-minute drive for me to get to the venue. And I'm like, what are we doing? We went back and forth with yawns like 30 to 40 times. I'm like, I feel so out of it right now. Like, uh, this could be, I don't know what's going to happen here, but we're going to find out. What's, Uh, you think that's funny? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's like the oldest thing you can do <laughs> is be yawning at 8.30. But I got to that point in my life where I get it. And I felt that way before races before, and it's really disconcerting. Yeah, it was just bizarre. And then we show up, and the music is pumping. There's like Skrillex playing. 
And I'm like, Jess, I feel like I'm dreaming right now. I don't even feel like I'm here. Like I'm so foggy and cloudy. Like I'm ready. I'm like in a totally different routine. And so that was interesting. And I was like, well, it doesn't matter. I'm here. I'm going to race, of course. Um, and there's a lot of young guys bouncing around in their split shorts looking like their night's just getting started, right? Like you could tell there's high, there's people that look the part everywhere running in all sorts of directions. And so I said, well, I'm going to pop my pills and my caffeine pills and, and go for a jog. And I did. And it was like... My body, your body remembers. That's all I'm going to say is like adrenaline plus whatever, like 6 a.m., 6 p.m., 3 a.m., mm-hmm. 10 p.m. Didn't make a damn difference. So first of all, there's some hope there. That's a hindsight thing. Do you think your body would have responded that way? 100%. Yeah. You do? It responds right up until it doesn't. And I think a 5K is short enough that it'll respond most of the time. But I will say this to paint the picture a little bit for people who haven't run track. It is so much different warming up for a track race than it is for, let's say, obstacle course racing or a mountain race or a trail race or even a road marathon. Because at any of those other ones, you look around and there's the whole gamut of people. You can kind of say, well, that person looks fast or that person has good shoes on or this person looks really like tan. Like I was talking about before Palmerton, they've been spending a lot of time out there on the track. Where there are seated races, every single person that's warming up at the same time you are is a monster. And they have a time to prove it, and they all look the part. So it's not like, who's going to be my competition today? Every single person you see looks faster than anyone you've seen in a long time, and you know that they actually are. And they're all in great shoes or spikes, and they're all in their split shorts and their official singlets, and they're all lean, and they're all beautiful striding when they're doing their warm-up. So it is the most, I think, the most... Uh, intimidating warm-up of your life is a track race. Yeah, I didn't remember that feeling until I got there. Um, and you're right. In OCR, trail racing, a lot of different like body structures and forms and styles can be very successful. And yes, there's exceptions on the track, but for the most, they get narrow and narrower with how the how your competition looks, how their stride looks, how they bounce off the track with every single step, look like a gazelle just... Everything about it is like, do I really belong here? I had a little bit of imposter syndrome showing up, also knowing I was one of, if not the oldest guy in the field. So anyways, took that, went, ran the local, um, local streets for my warm up. No street lights got dark, almost rolled an ankle or two, decided that was stupid and finished up on the track. Um, heart rates through the roof, sweats pouring down, like unbelievably, Mm -hmm. like all the things you would expect for heat, caffeine, nerves went to the bathroom like seven times on wednesday which is not normal for me i wasn't channeling my inner bracken which i this isn't nick my typical protocol so uh enough of the lead up anyways all the other heats had gone off um and we get to the start line and um i guess first of all like cat out of the bank i ran fifteen twenty eight. i didn't even come close to my goal which is breaking 15 minutes two people in the heat broke 15 minutes and they ran mm-hmm. fast 14 20 they smoked the field they had a great race 14 20 something 14 30 and then there was a big gap the way it turned itself out um i believe the guy who won ran something like 46 or 7 minutes in the tc 10 mile uh not long ago so some pretty fit pretty fast humans Anyways, we get to the start line. There's 30 dudes, and everybody looks like, I'm like, am I like going to be the last year? I don't know. And the guy came up and said, anybody who plans to run 15 minutes or under, go to the outside outside corral, which is bumped up a little bit, and on the outside, like, four lanes. I was like, screw it. I'm here to run 15 minutes or 
under. So like 12 of us went up to there and I'm looking around. I can tell everybody's I'm getting a few eyes like that guy's chest is too big to be here. What is he thinking? Like that's I could just see it. Like a couple of glances. And you were shirtless in compression shorts with a hat on. You were the outlier. Yeah, I didn't look like the track part. I actually. I actually brought my, uh, Bracken got me a running public singlet for my birthday and it's actually really dope. And I put it on and it just clung to me like after the warm up, And I was like, I mm-hmm. really want to wear this, but I think I'm going to have to save it for another day because it just stuck immediately. Yeah. Um, but anyways, the, the, the interesting thing as I age is I noticed I feel really good in the heat and I know a lot of people overheat and they feel the exact opposite, but physically, structurally, and maybe you're starting to notice this. I feel loose and I feel good. Like my body is ready to move in heat because it's so hot. Like the joints, muscles, tendons, ligaments do my body wonders. So I went to start my warm up and I was like, oh my God, I feel like I've already warmed up. It was unbelievable. Even though I'm like half yawning and the caffeine hadn't kicked in. Have you ever noticed that at all? Yeah, I've noticed it since since knee surgeries. Okay. Heat and humidity make my knees feel pre-surgery when I first get up. Otherwise, I'm creaky and stiff when I start moving and I have to ease into it. And some days it's just not there. But in heat and humidity, my knees always feel fine. Okay, well, that might be the start for you. But for me, it's like, well, my body's working at least. Who cares what my heart rate's doing? Like, I feel good. My stride wants to open efficiently. I'm not fighting for speed at all. I'm like doing my pickups and hitting 440 pace in my warm up for 30 seconds being like, okay, like things are firing. And I, I wasn't feeling a thing like no lactate buffering. I felt nothing. So I was like, okay, well, I'm a little nervous because on the days my warm ups go good, like typically that's a bad sign. I'd rather feel sluggish than fast in my warm up, And I felt fast as heck. I'm snappy on the infield doing my high knees and butt kicks and you know, all my hurdler stretches. I'm like, I am, I'm feeling good. And in the back of my head, I'm like, that's a bad thing. Really? You know how we play mind games. Well, what I had a hard time doing because I was so loose from the heat is the gun went off and I felt nothing for 600 meters. I mean, nothing. My heart rate could have been 70 beats per minute. It wouldn't have mattered. I didn't feel a thing. I couldn't feel my feet hitting the ground. I couldn't feel the pace whatsoever. (laughs) I felt absolutely nothing, like nothing. I don't know how to describe it, but I was so loose and ready that I couldn't feel what my body was doing. So I've never felt that. I haven't felt that in recent times. Have you ever felt that? Like you couldn't feel the pace. A few times in a good track race where I know my pace, but I don't feel the effort, but that total lost in the world, no clue what pace I'm running. I probably have only had that once or twice post-collegiately. Yeah, I haven't had it. And it's 5K road races for me. Especially in the beginning of it, I assume. It's like early stages. Yeah, the race I PR'd in, we were about 400 meters in, and I thought, I don't know if I'm running 440 or 540 pace or anything in between, but whatever pace you told me, I'd believe you. And I was torn. I accidentally like moved up on the leader. My goal was not to do that. And I thought, I don't know if it's dumb to sit here, to pass him, or to drop back. Right. I don't know what to do. That's how I felt. And it's like, I know it's going to cost me no matter what I do, but I won't know until I get about a half mile exactly in. exactly what happened. So you get it. Um, we came through in 72. I came through in 72, which was the goal, luckily. 72 is 448 pace. If you're 72-ish, you could really run 72 and a half to make 1459. And we came through. And I was like, thank God. We're at 72 and then about 800 meters in, which is only a half mile, I'm like, okay, now I'm starting to feel my, like, now I can feel like I'm feeling things again. And we had slowed to like a 73 for the second lap already. And I look and my heart rate's already in the 180s. 
like two and a half minutes into this race. I'm like, that's the heat. Now I feel it. Now let's settle in and get to work. And the 15 flat pacer passed me at a half a mile. And because I'd gone 72, 73, and it was a college kid looking guy who is a metronome. And I realized in that moment, I made a split second decision. I was looking at my watch. I glanced. In fact, just as a video of it, I glanced like twice. I'm not looking at my pace. I'm looking at my heart rate. And I'm like, you should not go with him right now. If you go with him, it's going to be a bad business decision. And so I already had made the decision in that moment Mm -hmm. that it wasn't going to happen considering the conditions. And then I ran, settled very evenly into 75s and 76s. And I kicked home in 71 and ran 15.28, which is like 4.59 pace. Um, Good battles in between. Haven't run shoulder to shoulder with guys in years. It was so, like it just... It's like I've never run in such a tunnel vision of like, I mean, I didn't notice Jess who was on lane three shouting at me. I didn't notice my friend TJ or my client Diane there, Diane Miller we had on the podcast. I couldn't notice anything. You know that feeling? If you've ever been close to a gun and somebody shoots it and your ears just go like, wah, I don't know if you've ever had that happen mm-hmm. to you. It's like that, like you're in like your own tunnel. And I haven't experienced that like intense, just like psh, in a long time, but um I worked hard. I executed well. I had that on 4th of July. Oh, you did? From fireworks? No, no. During the mile race. Oh. Total locked into a tunnel. Yeah. Why is that? It's very interesting. Yeah. Could barely... I don't know. Could, hard to acknowledge even like the people I knew were standing there. Like you're just so focused. I think the intensity is just what it is. Yeah. And the moment your race starts going wrong, you know it because you start hearing and seeing That's people. That's so true. That didn't happen to me. Did that happen to you? In the mile? No, I was locked in. But in like 5Ks before, maybe it's a 5K thing, track short thing. I bet in a marathon it's different for most people. But in 5Ks where I crack, suddenly around mile two, I hear everything. (laughs) And it's so distracting. Yeah, that's true, actually. Uh, So we had good battles back and forth. I guess a guy that you ran against in college, him and I had a good battle. We went back and forth a couple of times. Mm Um And it was really nice to run shoulder to shoulder with people. What it did, I noticed, was I probably strained. Like if I were time trialing solo, I would stay as relaxed as possible as long as possible. That was out the window in this. Like right away, it was like engaging. And I forget like you watch track on – like I watch it on YouTube when I'm cross-training – and you see the surges and, and Jakob Ingebrigtsen goes from the back all the way up to tucked behind the leader and the surges and the cat and mouse and the back and forth. I was like – I'm running like the races I see on YouTube right now. I'm like, people are surging and then falling. Then I surge to go around somebody. And those little nicks do add up. I managed it well. I'm, I went to change the thing. Um, more than anything, I'm done trying to figure out, like, where do I find 28 seconds? Where do I find 28 seconds in a month? I have four weeks between the two races. If it's 15 degrees cooler, does that give me 15 seconds? I don't know. And then where do the other 15 seconds come from? Or 13? Like, what can I do in four weeks? Um Right. To to figure that out. I don't know. Which is right back to high school and college mindset where you're just sitting there on your notebook doodling during class like, I need to shave a half second per lap and where is that going to come from? And Your situation is way nicer than high school or college because in high school or college you've been training and running intervals. And like, There's not a whole lot more to do other than do it better. But, you know, you need what, 28 seconds? 28 seconds. You divide that out by three. You need, call it nine seconds per mile. Yeah, roughly nine. Get three of those to four of those just from weather get another two of those from do you buy into that though yeah for sure is that just an like us make like you really think weather 
Like, for example, one of our best interviews we just had recently, our guest said, you know, 55 degrees is considered ultimately the best temperature to run your fastest, less or more. Now, like if any, what is it? Every degree that above 55 degrees, you're losing X per mile, for example, which seems extreme to me, whatever he had said. I think it is extreme, but it's real. At the same time, it's like saying 180 kind of thing. No, but yes. Right. <laughs> Higher cadence runners are generally faster. And I, and it's like, it, it, I don't know who the test was, the, the science was done on for that chart. Um, and I don't think it scales uh, in a linear fashion as simply as it would in that one use that he referenced. But absolutely, mm. absolutely running in 55 degrees for 5K is going to be faster than running in 90 degrees. Yeah, I, I mean, I know that. I just and if you look at per mile, if it's just two seconds per mile, great. Right. I only need to find twenty-two more seconds in the race. Yeah, that's true. I think it's like if you show up to a race, and I haven't been like really, I haven't even been five k training. I just ran an Afton twenty-five k race three weeks prior, and I was focused on that. So like, there's some things I can work on. I know, but I felt good. Mm-hmm. I went out and I feel like I mentally stayed engaged. I'm proud of my effort, and it's not like my body betrayed me that day. Like it gave me something to work with. I figured I got it right. I showed up to the start line at ten o five p.m. on a Wednesday, and my body gave me what I could have asked for it. My mind did too. It's like one thing to go out there and race and feel like death, right? And then finish in 1528 and be like, well, if I just get my lead in right and I show up with legs that want to work, there's, there it is right there. But it's like, no, nah, it didn't happen. Like I showed up and I had a, had a good day. You know, that's where you scratch your head a little more. Well, I have some thoughts on this, Kirk. I'm all ears. You know, I ran a workout, but you don't know why I ran it. I went out and I did eight by 400 with hundred meter slow jog recovery. And usually that would be a 12 by 400 workout for me. But I wanted to run it at 72 to 74 mm-hmm. because I wanted to feel Kirk DeWitt 5K <laughs> pace. Uh-huh. I ran the first one at 72, like six, which was as close as I could get to 72, four, which is 1459 pace. Well, yeah. Newsflash. Yeah. Kirk DeWitt ran 74 seconds per lap. That'd be Kirk doing 5K pace right now. High 74. Well, Kirk... Shall I pull out my workout notes? Uh, yeah. What did you go out in? I think 72. 72? So <laughs> I went out in 72.6. Okay, probably about the same. Okay, so I, I got as close to your race as possible. I went 72, 6, 75.3, 73.5, 74.0. Then I switched directions on the track because one hip was already feeling weird. And I went 74, 6, 75.3, 74.6, 72.5. Kind of mirroring how a race would go. And uh, just wanted to feel what that felt like. And the first thing that jumped out at me is I don't have any efficiency right there. I don't have that ability to even run that fast right there. But it jumped out that this is my gray zone stride. Mm. I think we all have the, the, the stride paces we can run well at. Like during the mile, never once did my stride feel weird. It felt like I haven't used this in a long time, but it felt this is a stride I know how to use. And right now running threshold pace is a stride that feels normal and useful to me. But this 5K, I think is in a lot of people's gray zone where it's fast enough to be more of a stride than we typically use on anything we do. But it's still a relaxed enough stride that you're not moving into that mile pace stride Mm -hmm. where you're using your fast athletic stride. It's like it straddles both worlds. And it's a stride that I believe punishes you, not even from a fitness standpoint, but from an efficiency standpoint, if you haven't been using it. Where like a mile, I know I'm on borrowed time anyways, but I know how to use the stride, so I'm okay. 5K, you're on borrowed time. 
from a fitness standpoint, but you also are getting punished from, you have to spend too long running in a stride that you're not used to using. So I personally felt during my workout, if I do this workout again next week and again the week after, I'll drop a second per lap average each week minimum just by getting better at running that stride. Fitness, totally out of the equation. Running that side more efficiently. And I think that's true for you. I think that, yeah, and I think that without even changing your fitness, you can drop a second per lap off of using less energy to run that stride. And with 12 and a half laps, that takes care of almost half of your 28 seconds just off an efficiency standpoint from doing a few more workouts at that pace or slightly faster. And then, of course, those are going to come along with fitness benefits. And now you drop another half second per lap because of that. And you're looking at 17, 18, 19 of your 28 seconds already taken care of right there. Add the weather in. That takes care of a few more. And now you're just like a few effort points of hitting sub 15. So that, that that's what I came to the conclusion of during my cool down yesterday after running my 400s. That you're there or at least in range of it. I think I'm in range as well. That's interesting that you say that. I I was in the middle of the race at about like, you know, that six to 10 lap, just death zone in the 5K, like mile and a half to two and a half, mm-hmm. which is just, that's where you find out if you, you got it that day or not, physically, mentally, where your cojones are at, that whole deal. And I was thinking, this is stay power. I was in it going, speed's irrelevant right now. Like, that's the thing is I was like, it's my engine. I swear mm-hmm. it's my engine. I don't think, I think I can run 70 seconds efficiently right now. I really do. It's just like, this is where my rev limiter is. Like, this is my engine. Nothing about any of my strides felt inefficient. It was like, your engine just is, Hmm. you're riding the line right now. And it, I ran a, ripped a bunch of fours and some twos. I did eights a few weeks prior. That felt uncomfortable. That did not feel efficient running 64 second pace and then running 218 pace for the eights. That did not. I felt like I was reaching for it. This was like... I think that served its purpose. It was the speed extension. It was just like, it was just what it was. My my plan here, if you want to hear my master plan, is to go hit mile repeats at 448 pace this week. I'm going to go feel it, extended. Running 448 pace for a 400 meters is great for me right now, but I don't think it accomplishes what I need, which is get those first two laps out of the way and now get work while running that pace. So my intention is to go run 448 mile repeats until I can't hit it anymore. Is it two? Is it four? Is it three? I don't know. And then follow that up with your old 400, 100 workout the following week, hitting faster than pace, race pace. That's only going to be two and a half weeks out from race day already, two weeks out. So feel out that pace at extended duration. And then I'm going to couple that with an uphill threshold run every week. Quality session number one, fast on the track. I'm going to save the pounding by going to 15% running threshold intervals or threshold work on the treadmill. I'll get two quality sessions in a week for two to three weeks with minimal damage from that second session and then see how it comes together. That's my plan. What do you think of that? I like it. What holes would you pick in that? Well, the only other way to sharpen more is to do multiple speed sessions on the track or flat hard surface per week. And the juice isn't worth the squeeze for you. Maybe 10 years ago. And I'll do a long run. I'll stick my long runs on the road now. I'll do quality Tuesday or Wednesday, quality Friday, and then I'll pound pavement on Saturday for a long run of steady duration. So I'll get some resistance to impact. But that's, that's, uh, I guess nobody's asking, but that's my plan. We'll see what happens. Personally, what I would do is I would start dropping the long run every other week to begin and replace it with something spicier and then 
drop it entirely two weeks out and replace it with something short and fast. But that's only if the 5K was everything. Yeah, two weeks leading out will be my last, two weeks out will be my last long run, true long run, and then I'll replace with quality. Um, We'll see. And then I don't know what I'll do from there, but I'm just going to worry about the next task at hand. And maybe you and I'll have a fight to the finish. We'll lean it out for breaking the tape. Am I starting two laps in? Shut up. I think you run 16, I think you run 16, 25 right now. I think that would delight me to no end. I'd like to break 1640. I'm sure some people out there are thinking like 1620, 1625, 1640. You guys, that's the same thing. 15 seconds per mile. Like, what are you even talking? You're wasting your breath talking about 15 seconds difference per mile. Um, It's everything. 15 per second or 15 seconds per race is everything what the faster you run the more seconds even matter i know 15 seconds in an entire race sounds like semantics it's Mm. like yeah i can run 1640 but oh my god 1625 are you kidding me it's like very real when you're Mm -hmm. when you're trying to hit that pacing uh, on the faster end of the spectrum yeah absolutely even looking at my workout this weekend i went 72.6 and then 75.3 because 72s were too fast and then I went to 75 and it was like, I can go a little. And then it was back to 74, 73 the rest of the way. But what didn't change, interestingly, was uh, my 100 meter jog rest. Of the eight, six of them were 42 seconds. Oh. Like it stayed exactly the same. It was just those little fractions of difference between 73 and 74. You could feel that. Yeah. And it, one was on the line and one was over it. And 75 was under it. And it was. It becomes very apparent when you're on the line how much tenths and seconds matter. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, maybe you'll come out. That'd be fun if you did. Well, I would like to come out. And, and here, here's what I'll say about your race, why I respect it outside of the obvious. You said you were going to do it. You showed up. You went after it. That's awesome. But the middle, like you talked about, that mile and a half to two and a half are really, really miserable in a 5K. And the day I PR'd, the only difference between... The two other times, because that year I ran 1602, 16 flat, and 1542. Hmm. The only difference between the 1602, the 16 flat, and the, and the 1542 was that a thousand meters out from the finish, I caught a glimpse of the leader looking like he was closer to me than I thought. And by 800 meters, I had closed down another 50 meters on him in those previous 200 meters. And I had hope, and I had someone just far enough away that... I wasn't sure if I'd catch them in time and just close enough that I thought I might catch them in time. And I closed every single stride until like 150 meters to go when I caught him. And then it was a sprint finish. It was like, it was the ideal way to PR where if he wasn't there, I would have run another 16 0 because there was, I was dead in the doldrums of hurting in the middle of a 5k, just knowing I can't run much faster than this at all, or I'm going to die. And then you realize with the right carrot, if you're not immortal, like one of those absolute monsters, you need the right carrot to get everything out of you. And I got everything out of my fitness, or at least everything out of my fitness in that final 1,200 meters that day. But on the track, you don't have something so perfect because you can only see a few meters ahead of you because there's a guy there or there's not. And if you're 20 meters behind, you might as well be 200 meters behind. I saw him like 150 meters ahead and I had someone to just reel in. Mm -hmm. That doesn't really happen on the track. You just stuck there running lap after lap alone. And the idea of, all right, I have a half mile straight down the street turn and kick is way easier than thinking I have to run three more laps. 
Like you don't build momentum. The pros can, but the regular Joes, we can't just build momentum lap after lap. It doesn't happen on the track. So I'm just really impressed that you were able to stay on your pacing rather than just be in that I'm hurting. It's so bad. And there's still a ton of laps to go. It's easy to fall off the pace there. Yeah. I think I equate like laps four to 10 in a 5k. It's like you have an open wound and you're choosing to rub salt in it. It's like, if you're going to race your best, you're already hurting. You have a cut on your arm. It already hurts. And then you're going to fake, I'm going to double down on this. I'm going to rub a little salt in it and ensure that I'm there. Like that's what choosing to push through those middle miles feel like that. Those middle laps feel like it's like, it already hurts. And I'm going to sink my teeth into that even more and just trust that I'm going to have something left Mm -hmm. for that last 800 meters. And that's like really knowing your body as much as anything. I think like getting dialed in at that distance in that venue is important, um, which uh, is a little green too. Well, I believe pros can sit until a mile to go or 1200 to go. And then they have to start digging deep. I think that regular people, every step past one mile gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. There isn't this long, I get to sit in it mode. (laughs) It hits you early, too early, and you start second guessing your life. So again, I was impressed watching it that you stayed on it the whole time. The other messed up thing is that my watch is just off Mm -hmm. on the track. It tells me I'm running further than I am. So like my first mile dings at 436 and I'm like, I'm not even at the mile mark yet. It just hit 436 my pacing on my watch is irrelevant Mm -hmm. and now i don't even know where i'm actually at at the mile mark because i had it on the lap setting so it was like and the laps are hitting on the opposite side of the track as the clock so the finish you start on the opposite side of the track is where you actually finish so the clock is at the finish so every time you actually hit your even mile splits there was no clock there so i had no idea and my watch is in its own freaking planet and so it's just like little things like that that you don't anticipate happening. Um, and it matters, like staying dialed matters. So I'm going to work on that. I'm thinking of bringing one of these old school, like my old Casio out on the track. Maybe that'll be the fix. Yeah, it's either that or you have to turn uh, off auto lap. Right. The moment you step on a track, you have to be in manual mode and click wherever you want. It's funny, when I do 5K time trials on the track, I go in thinking I'm just going to take my split at my start line every time. And somewhere around two, two and a half, I switch to the other. And now I need to think about the finish, but it's, it shouldn't screw with you, but it does. It didn't really screw. It's just like you have like milliseconds to do quick mental math when you're out there and you don't want to devote too much brain power to it. And for some reason it makes so much sense if it happens at the start finish line, but when it happens on half of a lap, it's just it uh, it's just it's just something I haven't done lately. It's interesting. Um, they did come out, so I have my goals for the next one. So a goal is to break fifteen minutes. Do I feel like it's a stretch goal at this point? I do, but I don't think it's a fool's errand. My B goal is um, they have a masters list for the country, the entire country that have run these, and I'm fourth on that list, forty plus. Uh, the first guy has run fifteen twelve. Second is 1516. Third is like 1523. And then I'm at 1528. So B goal would be to try to run faster than any other 40 year old at this track series in the country. And then C goal would be to run faster than I just ran. So those are my tiered, tiered goals for the next one. And then, um, maybe later today I'll go up and sign up Bracken Crocker as a, as a gift, as a gift to you, maybe. (laughs) What are you going to seed me at? Because that will determine whether it's a gift or not. I'll see you at 1630. That'll put you in the ninth out of 10 heats. Perfect. I have another 
Another question. Well, I guess I have two questions. The first is just a mental question. Every 5K I've ever run, I've wanted to quit or drop out at some point. And I've never dropped out of a 5K, but it's too sharp of a sting for too long a duration not to have some sort of demon crawl onto your shoulder and say, do you really want to keep pushing this hard? Maybe not drop off, but let's just ease off the accelerator. You're not going to PR. Let's just stop hurting so much. Where did you have that? And what lap did it hit on? It actually hit early. Yeah, that crosses my mind early mile. When I hit the mile and I think I was through Mm. in like 453, 454, I think it was like 454 maybe-ish somewhere in there. And I was like, I'm behind. I already know how this feels. I don't believe I'm picking it up from here. So what I keep talking about this breaking 15 minutes is not happening. And then choosing to be like, no, this is still worth fighting for. It happened early. Realizing that, you know what I mean? Like the the deflated balloon sort of pee in my Cheerios thing. I was like, oh, and then it's like, no, like race, you need this. You need this effort. You need to learn. And so then I, I snapped myself into it really quick, but it happened early. Like when that first mile ticked, which is very early for it to happen. And then I moved on really quick. Very early. Yeah. Okay. And then this this question is going to shock precisely zero people. What shoes are they? Talk to me about shoes. Because <laughs> you ran in the alphas on the track, mm-hmm. which you were debating. And it's a lot of people would say, yeah, like me, I said, run in the alphas. They give you the most. You like them the most. And other people would say, you don't want to turn in those. They're not stable. They don't have lockdown. So what was it like? Squishy. Very squishy. The track surface is different than the high school track I run. I'm like a very like energy return track at the university. I haven't run on a nice track in years. I mean, yeah. the high school track I run on is nice, but not college surface nice. So there was like a bounce from the shoes and a bounce from the track. On top of that, there was a line of sweat around the entire track from everybody sweating so much. So it was wet and then people were dripping sponges on their head mid-race. So the track had a lot of wet on it. Uh, the alphas notoriously were a little... Yeah, there'd been like 11 races. Yeah. Um, and then I was dumping water over my head, ice cold water that was dripping down my body into my shoes. So by the time I started, my shoes are squeaking on the track and water squishing out of them from my warm up from everything. So they were a little spongy if I'm being honest. Um, and I was the only one wearing alphas in the entire heat. So I figure a few guys looked at me and being like, this noob has no idea what he's doing wearing his alphas. Pretty much everybody was in vapor flies or track spikes. I'd say half track spikes, half vapors, and then one schmuck in alpha flies, which was me. Um, So I don't know if I'd wear them again. I got a pair of dragonflies in track spikes this last week, and I'm going to go hit my mile repeats in those and then probably not walk right for a week with what it does to my calves, but I'm doing it. Um, That's a 4.6-ounce track spike, uh, which I'm going to try. And then I'm going to play with the vapors as well. I don't know yet, but they did feel spongy. But I don't feel like they hindered me, so I don't know. What would you have worn? Oh, I if I come up, I'm going to wear the alphas. I think just simply in terms of variables, you start with your most known commodity and your biggest one. And you can always cut down from there. Because mm-hmm. if you had started in the vapors, you would wonder, well, do I step back to the alphas and get the boing, or do I step down to the spikes? This way you at least know, I think I need to move down and chew. I think so. You answered that question. Uh, so I'll run in the in the alphas for sure. I need the cushioning. I like the the bounce from them. Uh, but if I were you, if I were in your shoes for this mile repeat workout, I would do a mile in the alphas, a mile in the vapors, and then a mile in the dragonflies. I would cut down like that and see what they feel like and what it does to you. And then that way you run your 
your dragonfly mile in your most depleted legs and you can see should i be running multiple miles in this shoe in a race it's a good idea maybe i will do that not a bad idea or at least at least start with the the vapors at minimum i know what the alphas feel like yeah um and and i also have an old pair not i mean they're relatively in good shape of the sketchers uh was it the gomebs um, Gomeb Speed. I love that shoe, and I haven't put a ton of miles in it, and I feel fast in that shoe. And what we don't realize, like yeah. me, I ran track in my – I mean, the last time I ran a track race was in 2005. No, four, five, um, like 18 years ago, 19 years ago. Um, the track surface is – is different this energy return on this track surface isn't like a lot i felt before like you are getting that boeing so to speak slightly from the surface itself so could you get away with less of a shoe like wearing those sketchers gomebs uh like speeds yes maybe that might actually be a really good shoe for me on that surface Mm. that'll have to wait to see but um track services maybe it's just been a while since i've run on a high quality track but i was like whoa like this gives me something it's subtle but it's very different than... Can you get to that for a workout? I don't know. Look, had really tall fences around it, and I'm sure they're locked most of the time, but probably. Because then you could go Vapor, Gomeb, Dragonfly. Maybe that's what I'll do. I'll go Vapor, Gomeb, Dragonfly this week. We'll see. And then if you think you have another rep and you keep the Dragonfly on and prove that you can run multiple miles in it. Or by the end of that third mile, you're going to be like, I need to take this thing off me before I break. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... Uh, the trick is changing your shoe that quickly while breathing hard and trying to stick to the two minutes rest I was hoping to take. It might be tricky. Two minute rest. I find that in workouts when I switch shoes, 60 seconds is enough. Oh God. But you're, you don't recover as well right. because you're focused on the task. So if you took your time, breathed for 30 seconds, then took a minute, 20 to put them on, you'd have 10 seconds to get to the line. All right. We'll, we'll figure it out. TBD. We'll see there. Um, all right. Well, we were going to get to a little more today, but it's time to end this thing. And thanks for listening to me talk talk about myself, guys. This is uh, still learning things at, four, at you know forty, and it's weird how going back to the track felt brand new, and also like I haven't missed a beat. It's very um, out of my current comfort zone, and so I just challenge you guys to consider doing the same with whatever whatever race appeals or excites or scares the shit out of you, but maybe you haven't done in a while. I would say that like, I'm so glad I did it. I got two and a half hours of sleep after that race. I didn't fall asleep till 3 a.m. And I had to get up at 5.30 the next morning to go back to work. Like things like that, like you'd be like, that's not worth it. Yes. It- the caffeine or the adrenaline or both? everything. Yes. Then running through it in my head and then knowing I have to get up soon. And then that causes, you know, like I'm only going to get three hours sleep. I'm not falling asleep yet. Like, mm-hmm. All that aside, or all that included, it was worth it. And so you're scared of that mountain race. You're scared of signing up for a 25 cakes. You think it's too far. You're scared of signing up for the Tracksmith Twilight 5000 that's in a city near you because you're afraid of failing. You're not going to do well. Like, sign up. Do it. I'm very glad I did it. And it's just a dumb local 5K that means nothing to everybody else but meant a lot to me. That's how this is. We do this for ourselves. And so, um, I don't know. Roll the dice a little. Sign up, even if you're not sure you should. Then you'll end up showing up, and then you might be glad you did. That's it. Well, I'll close this out here, Kirk. Yeah. I did not want to talk about Palmerton, A, because I wasn't proud of it, and B, because it's like I'm just here talking about myself. And I always kind of question when people are like, oh, I'm just looking to inspire people. Mm-hmm. However, this episode was really, really fun for me. And it, it put in perspective that, yes, there are people that care about the journey. And I care about yours and I 
enjoyed listening to your recap. Hmm. So I don't think like, I know you probably didn't want to talk about you, but don't hesitate to talk about your races because if I care, there's other people out there who are invested in the Kirk DeWint journey. And then the second is that I watched your race and immediately wanted to race a 5k. Which is rare for you, let me tell you. <laughs> the last thing Bracken ever wants to do is run a 5K, so that says something. Right, and that's that shows the power of following the right people on social media or listening to the right podcasts or whatever. That mm. It was inspirational to me. And for so thank you to you, and thank you to Jess for getting footage of it and capturing it, and thanks to Tracksmith for providing this opportunity. But maybe I'm a little too cynical about social or about everything sometimes that this this was a pure experience for my end i loved following your journey and it made me want to do it well that makes me happy to hear bracken so and hey if you if you get faster at the 5k you're going to get better at all other facets of run fitness for sure so training for yeah. something like a 5k on the track is not trivial it can benefit your trail or your ocr or your hybrid without question like if you move one needle forward usually the others follow right and so picking something that might be a little left to center for you still probably makes you better. So just to follow that up. I agree. Well, I told you yesterday on the phone, two days ago, Yeah. I will not do one this year, but next year I'll come do it. And by the end of listening to you today, I'm very, very tempted to come up end of August and run, get a baseline. We'll see. Maybe I'll be sick of the drive when you come for the, at the end of the week for my wedding. And then, you know, you'd be like, I was yeah, just there and now I got to come back two and a half weeks later. And that seems silly or whatever. What? Um, all right. We got to wrap this up. Uh, I got nothing else to add. Do you? I'm going to see you in a few days and I'm excited. Yeah, buddy. Looking forward to it. We got me, uh, from the OCR crew, me, you, Rich Ryan's making it out. Jack Bauer's making it out. Uh, Mike Ferguson blast from the past is making it out. Hoping we can nice. we can go for a long run together on Saturday morning, the morning of the my wedding. Um, think you're staying in my in my camper across the street, which I love. It's gonna be great. Yep. Yep. I got roughing it. I got an extension cord that's running across the street illegally to provide air conditioning. So it's gonna be. You can keep that at 66 degrees when you sleep if you'd like. It'd be nice. So I think it'll be it'll be all right. Yep. You're gonna wake up and I'm just gonna be looking at you. <laughs> Holding all your shoes in my arms. <laughs> <laughs> no, that I believe. That I believe. You don't want nothing to do with my shoes. <laughs> 355 episodes and finally I'm there. Honestly, that's really creepy. All right, we're done. We're done here. See ya. See ya.